Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We built Entree Architect Academy for you, the small firm architect, with the business resources and training you need and a community of supportive, friendly, sharing architects just like you. Entree Architect Academy. To learn more, Go to the homepage at entrearchitect.com. Entree Architect Podcast, episode 170. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm Whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. And we're back with another episode of our new podcast series called The Entrepreneur Architect, where I interview you, members of the Entree Architect community. I want to know your story. I want to give you an opportunity to share some of your knowledge. So each guest will share their story, and then they're going to answer a series of questions that will help them provide valuable information about their lives, about their career as a small firm architect. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, Kurt Kruger, Entrepreneur Architect. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors, FreshBooks, NCARB, BQE Software, and RCAT. FreshBooks, get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster 
Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash freshbooks. And NCARB, helping architects reach their career goals. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. And BQE Software, the makers of ArchiOffice, office and project management software designed specifically for architects. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. And RCAT, the leading online resource for free building product information. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. Kurt Kruger, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. It's great to have you here. This is uh, another of the Entrepreneur Architect series here at Entree Architect Podcast. I love having these conversations and, and learning a little bit more about the members of our community uh, and to be able to sort of go through these questions and have the have multiple people in our community answer the same questions. It's, it's fascinating to me to hear the many different answers to these questions. So thanks again for being here uh, and sharing your story here today uh, on the Entrepreneur Architect series at Entre Architect Podcast. Great. I'm excited about it. Um, so let's start. Let's start with your your story, like we do with every podcast here. Share your origin story. Tell tell us a little bit more about you and your firm, and and then go back to, uh, you know, where you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect, and and that story of the journey from that point to where you find yourself today. Sure. So my firm, Kurt Kruger Architects, we're based in Brentwood, Los Angeles, and we specialize in. Uh, modern design build residential architecture and uh, the origin of our story and my story um, i suppose a bit different than most architects i was not one of those that always knew i wanted to be an architect Um, i grew up in a uh, small town in mid-missouri called mexico missouri so i had no idea that architecture was even a profession there was no architect in my small town, um, didn't know anything about it. I was just growing up that kid that was artistic, that could draw, um, but that was about it. And so I didn't really know exactly what to do with that um, moving forward. Uh, when I was in my junior year of high school, um, I had a very perceptive uh, teacher that pointed out to me, it was in a geometry class, and I was horrible at math. Uh, Algebras and everything else, I just didn't, it was way over my head. But for some reason, geometry was very visual to me. I could get that. I could guess at those answers. And in the other equation, I could never guess at those maths. So she just put two and two together, and she said, hey, you know, have you ever thought about being an architect? Like, no, I, what is that? So she said, well, you might want to try taking some of the classes at our local vocational school, which was connected to the high school, um, just for some basic drafting classes, see how you like it. So I did that and loved it. It was, for me, the perfect marriage between the artistic side, but my limitation always in the arts was I was a bit too, I like to do more realistic rather than abstract, so I was trying to tend on a lot of the technical things. So architecture and just design seemed to be a really uh, perfect match for me. Um, And so that led me then to go to college one state over at Kansas State University, where, again, it was just something clicked with me. And I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think I enjoyed uh, doing that. Uh, I enjoyed the drawing, the designing of it. And for me, being, you know, 
an average student in growing up and through high school, for some reason, uh, that changed in college and I excelled in there. And I think that happens with a lot of people that find what it is, they combine what it is that they love and uh, they just work hard at it and magically get pretty good at it. Yeah, and you find so your, you find your passion, you start pursuing, yeah. pursuing it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so, you know, with that hard work, I think you learn to love it more and you get better at it. So from there, um, one of the things that I did, uh, my third year in school, I interned, I saw a lecture by, uh, this great, uh, regional architect, uh, in that's based in Raleigh, North Carolina named Frank Harmon. And I saw him lecture at our school and I really loved what he talked about, especially with design build and being able to make things and having his uh, workers and students working with him uh, to do that. So I interned uh, there for uh, a semester and a summer uh, doing just that. And I even got to go back my the following uh, winter break and help build and install some modern hurricane shutters down at a, a house that we did down in South Carolina. So that was very fun. So for me, what I was starting to learn as I was in school, I loved the design. I loved, you know, many aspects of architecture, but what I always tended to gravitate towards was more of the side of making of construction building. So that to me was the exciting part, seeing things go up in the field. So um, from there, when I graduated uh, from uh, from architecture school, rather than uh, getting the office job, it frustrated the heck out of my parents, but I worked for this uh, guy that was uh, actually an architect. He's a teacher named Dan Rockhill in uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and he's most known for being a teacher there, but he runs uh, a, a studio called Studio 804 where they do design build projects. That's their thesis. Uh, but anyway, on the side, he had uh, his own practice that he had other graduates that would do work uh, for him. Um, literally, we would be wielding the hammers out in the field, uh, building things. And in a short period of time, we built several houses from the ground up. And uh, even though it was hard work uh, and for little pay, I was thinking, at least in my mind, I didn't know how all this was going to eventually come together, but I knew there was some value in that and that being able to learn and know firsthand how things come together would be invaluable later. And yeah, no uh, doubt. I, I think that's that's very important. I, I actually think personally, I think that architects should be required to be on site swinging a hammer for some certain period of time before they're licensed. Um, that's just a personal feeling of mine. I did the same thing for, for several years um, intentionally to learn that part of the business. And, and for me, uh, it, it's about the, the psychology of the contractor to learn right. how they think about us. Uh, it, it gives you so much information to be able to interact with them later as we, as we become architects. Yeah, absolutely. And there is, yeah, because there is that disconnect that I think often happens in a friction that happens between the field right. and uh, architects where you hear, uh, you know, expletives being made about the architects or designers that they have no idea how this stuff really comes together. So, yes, being able to be out there um, and learning that directly, you, you have a response to those things. You know how it's done. Right, right. So... So yeah, so that led me then uh, from there to uh, seeking to uh, relocate, and I ended up in Los Angeles, actually having that 
experience in construction led me to uh, getting a job at a uh, design build firm uh, in Los Angeles called Marmel Radziner uh, and Associates, uh, where I was there for about four years, learned a great deal. Um, but then after that, worked another four years for a, um, a higher profile construction firm where the owner was trained as an architect, not a licensed architect, but uh, but we did the construction for some very beautiful homes. So again, the whole uh, trajectory of my um, path was more geared towards construction. And that's why when I made the leap to go out on my own, uh, the design build aspect was uh, key for me. I quite honestly, I don't even know really much other way I've done it the other way, but it just feels so for me uncomfortable yeah. uh, not being able to have that direct uh, control and access to the site. What pulled you out to LA? Well, I think the obvious is the weather and uh, just the the environment in general. There was also, uh, of course, there's opportunities. LA is one of those, you know, places where there's a lot of different architects and people that are doing things here. But I also liked a bit of the um, experimentation and somewhat craziness that there can be uh, out here. So, and I, I fell in love with it. I think people still. Uh, think I'm a bit bizarre because LA tends to be one of those cities that it has a lot of nice aspects, but people know of all the awful things about the traffic and things like that and the sprawl. But um, really, there are so many other things that are here that you learn to appreciate, in, especially in the field of architecture with the history of other of mid-century modernism that's here, um, among other things. There's a lot of things to love, yeah. and, I, and I just fell for it. Yeah, well, it, it seems to work out because you're, you're, I've been to your site. I, I know the work that you do. Beautiful modern architecture, uh, beautifully designed, beautifully built. Uh, Thank you. Very nice. Um, and it's Kurt Kruger Architect, right, .com? Uh, yes, it is. It's a website yeah. if anybody wants to go check it out. It's a great-looking site, too. It looks like it's fully developed. Uh, you have all the marketing opportunities there. It's done really well. So uh, it's Kurt Kruger architect.com if anybody wants to go check that out and see how Kurt's doing his thing online. Uh, let's get into the questions, Kurt. Let's, um, let's start with, um, other than becoming an architect, what's one goal that you've, uh, that you've achieved and talk about the process that you went through for achieving that. Yeah, the, the one that, and it's a, still a goal that's in progress, but one that we've made, uh, some uh, groundwork on is, taking the structure that we have as far as design build and moving that into a uh, architect as developer type of format um, where we have where our own clients and being able to work on projects on our own and we're still very early in that process but you know this is something that we have been talking about for some time and i think like um you know a lot of architects it's really the big question is about capital but for us we felt we had a leg up because we're already doing all the things that developers would come to us for the design the construction so it just felt for us we have all the pieces in place and if we can get the structure uh, our numbers down and uh, do this right to me for us it's a no-brainer I, I don't think we're ever going to go away from uh, the client projects, but to be able to have that uh, alternative um, company and source of revenue for us uh, is essential. So to me, the steps in getting towards that is just 
stop talking about it and doing it. And that's really what it came down to. We were overly thinking things and how was it going to get perfectly right? And, and it won't, <laughs> you just have to try taking a stab at a few things and seeing what works and what doesn't. So, um, like I said, very early on, but that's one goal that we're still in the process of, uh, getting to where we want, but, uh, uh, but yeah, not there yeah. yet. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of listeners are nodding their head right now. Yeah, that's what we want to do too. We've been talking about it for years, and yeah, and so it's uh, it's great to to hear that. I, I'd uh, I'd love to have you come back as you proceed with that and talk about that a little bit more about about the process that you went through, and not only the 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 steps that it took, but sort of the psychology that it took, because I think that's one of the biggest pieces to get over is is the fear of doing it. You know, the fear of how you're going to do this and the risks that, that are involved. Uh, and this will be interesting to, to hear your story as you proceed with that. And I think that's probably even bigger than the, the technical side, to be perfectly honest, is that there's so many psychological barriers you can put in front of yourself. Well, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. We don't have the whatever it might be. You set yourself up and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that then never happens. Right. Right. So what's one big struggle that you've experienced and how did you uh, overcome it? Well, I was thinking about this, and of course, there's the struggles of everyday practice. But when I was thinking really as a big struggle that was a bit of a turning point um, for me was actually all the way back in architecture school. Um, I was, and this came about in the uh, third year of school, where at our school, the first, at least when I was there, um, the first couple of years, there's no uh, computers at all and everything's hand-drawn, and then the transition to the computers and to uh, doing things with 3D design and renderings um, and web design, all this stuff. It, for me, it was completely new. I mean, I, uh, of course, I had a little bit of experience with computers, but I, you know, small town, Missouri, working class family, I didn't even really have a computer um, until I was, you know, in high school, um, and then still fiddling around with it. So, for me, I had a big, uh, really a panic and doubting myself that I could really do this. Um, you know, I knew I had the talent to, to succeed. I knew I had the work ethic to succeed, but I didn't know if this is something that's maybe above my head and maybe I should move on. And I was considerably, seriously considering getting out of the field altogether. Um, so, so yeah, that was a big struggle for me, and I think the only thing that helped me to overcome it, I think, is a, a, a few different things. Being able to have uh, mentors or people that you can look to around you, especially teachers, uh, professors, and others that um, can help reassure you that this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't the only thing. And I had also to keep telling myself, okay, I know that, you know, I would like to think, and I told myself at the time that it would get easier as I got out of this, as I, you know, design is not only cool renderings, design is not, and that architecture is, has more to offer than that. And so I just had to push through it, persevere and get through. But that was a time that I didn't know if I would move on in this field or not. Um, was there, was there one person at that moment in your time, in your life at that time, uh, that, that did support you that sort of helped you through that process because i think that there are there often when students of architecture reach that moment whether they're, they're not sure whether this is the right thing and it's a big struggle and they're not sure whether they want to proceed um often they're actually shown the door you know that that okay we're going to filter you out because you're not ready uh and we'll find somebody who's more ready 
was there somebody there who was supporting you and, and helping you through the process? Absolutely. Um, and the one, there was a new uh, professor that was at my school that um, he was my studio instructor and, uh, you know, a younger teacher. And for reasons that I had no idea and still don't know why, in a way, he a bit took me under his wing and sort of helped me really rethink the way that I understand architecture and design and not to be so focused on the things that were limiting me, but to really uh, rethink. And it gave me confidence. I think so much uh, of being able to succeed in this field is both mentorship, but also having models and inspiration of people that have done it before. Um, so he was also uh, someone that was quite accomplished as far as uh, even in his young career at that time of uh, in architecture and building things. So there was a big inspiration for me as well as being able to help model uh, you know, my career, even though my path went differently, it was still something that was a huge inspiration for me. And, and I'm, you know, forever grateful for that. And I think more people need mentors like that. Yeah. Well, who was it? Do you, can you say? Oh, who? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. His name was Alan Purvis. And uh, yeah, he was a professor at Kansas State University. I'm still friends with him today. And yeah, uh, yeah so like I said, uh, probably the best instructor I've ever had, let alone uh, mentor. Yeah, I'm glad he was there. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE Software. You already know all about RCAT and their free BIM objects and their CAD details and their specifications and product information, all free, ready for you to use. Well, today I want to share something new from RCAT. It's called Charette. Charette is a tool for sharing and collaborating with your colleagues and clients online in real time. You can upload photos and files, share specs and product information directly from the RCAT database, as well as from other sources on the internet. I've been playing with Charette in beta for a while now, and it's really cool. And now it's available to you. I encourage you to go check it out. Visit RCAT online and click the Charette icon right there on the homepage. And like everything offered at RCAT, Charette is a free tool for us small firm architects too. Learn more at entrearchitect.com slash RCAT. 192 hours. You wish you had that much free time? That works out to about two business days every month. And when you're a small firm architect using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of administration time that you could save in 2017. That's time that you can spend doing the things you love, like being an architect. FreshBooks makes it simple to send invoices, post your expenses automatically, track your time for your whole team by project, and get organized with reports, communication, and notifications. Sign up for a free 30-day unrestricted trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Visit entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks to access FreshBooks for free. And be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Do you know someone in your firm who's always dreamed of getting licensed, but was unable to complete the experience requirements? Well, maybe that person's you. Now you can get back on track with NCARB's new AXP portfolio 
With this option, seasoned professionals can complete the Architectural Experience Program, the AXP, formerly known as the IDP, by submitting an online portfolio. Along with meeting your state's education and examination requirements, the portfolio will help you and your employees get one step closer to becoming a licensed architect. Learn more about NCARB's AXP portfolio at entrearchitect.com slash NCARB. One of the most often requested resources here at Entre Architect is project management software. How do we keep our projects and our people organized while we grow as entrepreneur architects? BQE Software, an AIA Advantage partner and the makers of ArchiOffice will show us how. ArchiOffice is the only office and project management software designed specifically for architects. It will help us manage people and projects and allow us to focus on designing great architecture. Whether you're working remotely or on site, ArchiOffice allows you to monitor the status of your projects and tasks and send out invoices in an accurate and timely manner. Entree Architect podcast listeners can get a fully functional 15-day trial of ArchiOffice today at entrearchitect.com slash BQE. RCAT, FreshBooks, NCARB, and BQE Software. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. How about an aha moment? What, uh, something, something that sort of, you know, shook you up? You sort of had an opportunity come to mind and, and what did you do to, to turn that aha moment into a success? The, the aha moments, <laughs> I seem to have these different sort of more mini aha moments, whether it be with reading new books or doing different things. But when I think about probably the biggest aha moment, it's sort of, and it may not have been a moment, but it's more of starting to put two and two together. And that was largely the more I was around construction or architects that were doing the building, it just started to make so much more sense to me. And it made more sense to the way that we traditionally do it, that I was just in my mind, yes, this is why they do it this way. They have more control over the process. They, um, you know, the work tends to turn out or can turn out better because they have direct access to the site, the sub, they can control the budgets, the schedule. So there's so many things that to me, it was for me, the logical way of work. It wasn't that, though, this is the abnormal and only, you know, you have some over here that do it. That to me is the way that I thought it should be done. And it's the only way that I've proceeded as moving forward, um, just because of all the advantages of it. How, how is your firm structured? Is, is it a separate company? Do you have a separate uh, general contracting license or, or is it all one company? It's, yeah, it's a separate company. Um, so we have the architecture company, we have the general contracting company um, that are separate, um, under separate contracts. Um, now, when we get into the uh, development work, that's a bit different uh, than this. But as far as the design build, it's yes, they're both separate. And, uh, and yeah, it's myself. I head up the company that is 
the architecture company, and then my uh, business partner, he's the licensed general contractor, and uh, and that's how we have it set up. And yeah. there's a variety of reasons for that, but you know, the, you know, as people know about insurance liability, and you know, I, I still get pushback from my carrier about even having design build on my website as an architect. But you know, yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah. they're not listening to this. <laughs> And how do you market it? Do you market it as this is how we do it and you just do it that way and, and you present both uh, proposals at the same time? Or are you uh, presenting it as an architecture firm and then leading them into a, into a construction process? See, this was where, um, and we're still developing that process uh, because we started as always having them separate and almost as an option that people right. uh, that our clients could choose from. And we did it more as a comfort for them that they didn't want to jump into everything. They could start with the architecture, but we learn and are learning that there becomes problems with that because the client tends to think that they can separate, you know, these two. And really that's not what we want. We, uh, and we still, at certain times, if the client is more interested in just the architectural services or the construction services on special projects, do it that way. But we're getting to the point where it's it's not an option. And to work with us, it's design build. That's what we do. We don't provide the traditional services, whether traditional general contracting or traditional architectural services. It's all in the same. So you either hire us for for both or you don't hire us at all. Yeah. Have you started doing it that way or are you? Yeah, 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 we have. And, uh, and again, it, it, I'm not going to say that it's easy to do it that way because I've worked for other companies that they definitely do it that way and they're very successful in doing that. Um, but we're just starting that and it's, it's a bit scary doing yes, it that way yep. because it's, uh, you know, you can risk putting a, a level of fear or anxiety into the clients. Well, they don't want to necessarily commit before design is even started to the, who the contractors or the construction contract. But I think it's, it's a more of a matter that as we're learning to uh, how we present ourselves as being one team, and this is just how we do it. It's not yeah. just, there's no other option. It's just the way that we do things and we're, that's what makes us special. And that's what um, you know, you're coming to us for. Yeah. And, and that, you know, the, the clients will look at it uh, and the ones who want that will proceed and the ones who are afraid won't. And, you know, the projects that you do will be the ones you want to do. And so uh, yeah, I, that is a difficult process. When we were doing construction management, uh, we were doing the same thing. If you make it an option, people tend to, you know, opt out. And, right. <laughs> and then your whole plan and your whole business model starts to fall apart. And so if you if you want it to be a certain way, you need to present it in a certain way. And, and people just expect, oh, that's the way they work. And so, uh, and they'll proceed with it. Um, and so speaking of unique, what what is one thing that makes you and your firm unique and what makes you different? Yeah, the, the main thing uh, that I always go back to is the method that we use. So obviously we're design build, but we're architect led design build in every sense of the word in that that's what really carries the day um, with everything we do. And we have a, an interesting team of people that we work with in house. So there's myself, the architect and designer, my business partner who has actually a structural engineering background and is also a general contractor. We have on our team, 
uh, site superintendents and field people that are licensed electricians and uh, framers. So there's a lot of knowledge that gets brought to the table. And that's what I always love about uh, design and the process. And, and for me, in a way, something that makes us a bit unique is that we're able to improvise quite a bit during construction without this fear apprehension of costly changeover, change orders or time delays or anything like that. It's just built in as part of our process. So in turn, um, we, uh, we tend to deliver projects. We come up with a concept and a design. So we understand the basics of how, what the big idea of the project is. But one of the advantages that we have and that we build it is that we can move faster into moving this into permitting and construction because a lot of those items, we have full control over how things are going to be done. So if things haven't all been figured out, that's okay because it's part of the process that we then select those finishes along the ways. We work out these details. We know what the bones are. We know what the concept is, but now um, when we're executing it, we can make those modifications and are able to control it a lot better. How, how big is the firm? Yeah, so for the architectural staff in the office, it's myself plus two other uh, in-house architects, and then we have uh, some remote or outside help as, as needed. So mm -hmm. we stay lean and mean on the architectural side. On the construction side, that's the one that fluctuates a little bit more uh, depending on the need. We used to have a much larger in-field or, uh, yeah, in-the-field staff, uh, but now we've tried to bring that down to just a few. So there's, um, uh, of course, my business partner who's a general contractor. We have uh, in-house bookkeeper, accounting, and then we also have uh, one other project manager and then insight super, field supervisor. So all in all, it's probably a team of around uh, 12 total. And how did you how did you find your partner? Is that somebody that you sort of develop the idea together with, or did you have the idea and then go look for a partner who could help you with the construction side? No, it really, I wish it was that planned out, but it really wasn't. Uh, he was actually, we had met uh, on, uh, when I started working at uh, the company that I worked for prior to going out on my own. And so that was a good four years before we ever decided to do anything together. And we were working on uh, a project in Long Beach called Hotel Maya, which is, it was kind of crazy. We just, as a construction company, rather than being in our offices, we moved into the trailer, we're out at the site, just working out, because this was fast track, we had to figure everything out. So we relocated our office to the on-site trailer. And, um, and my partner's name is Reza. He was brought on to help move the project along as uh, more of acting as a project construction manager, site superintendent. And we just became friends in that process. So again, it was no idea. I knew he was a licensed general contractor. And, but after that project was done, he was just brought in for a short period of time. So those years afterwards, we just kept in contact as friends and never thought anything would necessarily come about it. But probably in the back of our minds, we're like, hey, you know, something could because we're one's an architect, one's a general contractor. And then there was just a opportunity that came along that uh, uh, since he still had his company that was out there, he asked me uh, if I would be interested in taking it on. And for so long, I, I had not. I'd always declined those projects since I was working for another company. But then I, at that point, I was ready to make a move. And so I said, you know what, 
I'm going to go ahead and take on this job, and which was supposed to be a small job that was just a <laughs> night and weekend, and it ended up just expanding and expanding, and then luckily giving me the opportunity to, you know, make the break. And so that launched your your firm. It did, yeah, yeah. and actually there were, and that sort of led to another project that gave me then two projects to work on. And again, I thought this, and I knew I had about six months before these things came to an end, but that six months then grew into another year because of scope being added. So it helped me make that transition. So it wasn't as if I just went out there cold turkey and was just looking for work. So it definitely helped. Right, right. Great, great story. Um, let's get into uh, the quick questions here. Sure. Uh, at what age did you become an architect, licensed architect? At age 30. Okay. What, what is your target market? We talked about that a little bit. My target market is uh, Brentwood, Los Angeles, California. It's where our office is. It's where most of our projects are. And we target single family, modern residential design. A stipulated sum, hourly, or percentage-based fee? <laughs> this has been something that's been a work in progress. So I prefer when it works well, the stipulated sum. I've actually been using the hybrid proposal that, uh, Mark, that you've uh, created and that works really well. Um, sometimes the percentage I find works. What I don't like about the hourly is that if you have a good client and they're happy with it, then great. But even the ones that sign up for it, many times I find they come back, question yep. the hours, or you find yourself almost feeling that you have to be watching the clock. And I don't like working that way. We track our hours, but I don't want to feel like I have to rush through something just because, you know, I, I feel I can or cannot bill for it. Yeah. Have, have, as a design build firm, have you ever worked as an all-inclusive price? So a client will yes. come to you and you just you do one price in the whole project design and build. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's one of the things that uh, we have done that and we're working on how to structure that in a better way because I also am very mindful of not trying to undercut or compromise our field because I don't think that the advantage of design build is that you're getting a better cost and that you're getting right. a cheaper architect. Uh, for me, there's so many other advantages that come with the process um, of all the things of smoother process, less finger pointing, less drama, um, and a better project that I don't feel there's still just as much work. It's just in a different way. So we don't try to say, okay, well, we'll cut the architectural fees just so that we get the um, the construction contract, not at all. And in that way, that's why it becomes a bit more challenging to do it all as one, because if you're a client and you see that, it's inevitably a larger number than someone that's just giving you a construction contract right. or giving you just an architectural contract. So there is that, that fear, but we're trying to work out ways to make that step a little bit easier, that maybe we have a smaller scope to ease them into the process, that they get to know us um, before they take on the overall contract. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, other than architecture, what makes you happy? You know, I really love the outdoors. I love traveling. Um, and to me, reading, I mean, there's so many things that, but probably because of my geographic location that I'm at now, it's got to be, you know, the thing that probably makes me the most happy is waking up every day with a sunny day. And that's very different than <laughs> yeah, where I grew answer. up. So, <laughs> so that's a bit different for yeah. me and I love it. Yeah, much different than Missouri, right? 
That's right. <laughs> Full, four seasons. Yeah. Um, the best advice you've ever received. Best advice I ever received is, is probably when I was interning in Raleigh, North Carolina for Frank Harmon. And, you know, I was learning, I was trying to absorb as much as I could. So, you know, even without being told, I was always just working late hours and just trying to get as much as I could out of that experience and learning as much as I could. And he came over to me one time, I was the last person in and he's really Kurt, you should, you need to get out of here. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I, you know, this is great. I'm, you know, building models and learning all this stuff. He's like, no, you're going to learn far more outside of this office than you ever will inside. So explore, travel, do things. And that really started a habit for me of, of doing just that, exploring new places. It doesn't have to be far, even driving distance, studying the history of the place, really observing. And, and he was right. It did that. It, <laughs> uh, you know, there's only so much you can learn in books and in the office that to get out and to learn the world will feed back into what you do, uh, both in your practice as well as personally, uh, and it's more fulfilling. Yeah. What What is one personal habit or a daily routine that uh, contributes to your success? The biggest thing I would say, even though I'm not always great at it, is trying to get in some form of exercise first thing in the morning, um, which to me, rather than drains me, actually gets the blood going, gets me um, enthusiastic and focused on the day. And then the other thing is a habit of gratitude. And to me, that's something that it's a bit new for me, but I find if I don't practice that regularly regularly, and then repeat that and get the, into that mindset, so many times our minds can wander into all of the problems and the issues that we have. And to just think about all the great things that you have around you and how blessed we are to be doing what we do and to uh, you know live where we live at this time I, it just changes your perspective about the day and it gets you into a much better mindset otherwise you can it's very quick to fall into that sulking <laughs> uh, uh, mindset all day yeah that's a very good one especially for architects because I think sometimes <laughs> we get so deep into what we're doing and the struggles of, that we have um, that a, a daily routine of gratitude is something that could help us pull out of that every once in a while and focus on the things that we do have. Um, what about a recommended app or internet resource? You know, I was thinking about this quite a bit and I didn't have a good one that I suppose is different than probably what we all know about the Evernote apps. Um, I use quite a bit uh, Google Docs though and I was um, and again, it's not new, but it's probably more to what uh, Mark, you a lot of times talk about, which is developing systems. Yeah. I find that's a really good one when I was developing systems to have a document that's editable. You can see who edits it. It can be shared throughout the company as far as documenting processes. Uh, so to me, again, nothing groundbreaking, but yeah. for that is an excellent one that I just overlooked for so long and until I started using it, uh, it really changed things in how we work. How about a recommended book and why do you recommend it? 
the book I most recently read, and that's usually the ones that I <laughs> recommend because yeah. it's always top of mind. It's is, always the, uh, be the best book you've ever read, right? <laughs> that's it's, right. It's the it's, most recent one you read. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Ask me again in a month. But the one I most recently read that I just love was called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt. And uh, it's and the reason for that is so often, especially architects, we're very good in many ways at planning a project or planning our drawings or um, how things go in our office setting um, or in our work setting. But we're not always so good at doing that in our personal lives. Uh, I know I'm not as far as creating a clear life plan. And in that way, that's what the book is focusing on. All these separate areas of your life, personal, work, spiritual, and having a specific plan with goals in each of those areas and being very intentional about doing that. And so to me, it was a real perspective change. And, I, and I've never done that before. I've just kind of gone with the way that I have a sort of a general plan in my head about the trajectory of where I want my career and life to go, but never really put it down in writing in that way. Done it for work, but never personally. And to me, that's a uh, it was a great uh, thing to do, and I would recommend that to anybody. I'm, I'm glad book. you recommended that. I've read I've read everything else that Michael Hyatt has written, um, but I haven't read that yet. It's it's been on my list, but uh, I'm going to move it up up on the list a little bit. And it's not a long read either, yeah. so definitely, you know, it's a good read though. What is one thing an entrepreneur architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? I think that the one of the biggest things that changed how my business worked was finding a niche and really targeting that. And for me, it was a bit scary to do that because yeah. like a lot of architects, I want to be a generalist. I want, I don't want to, you know, limit myself from getting any work from these other areas, but that's not what I found anyway to be the case. Um, so let's say for me, for example, um, if I were just another architect in Los Angeles, California, well, you know, I get lost in the mix. There's nothing really that special. But if I say target and niche to geographic locations, though, let's say where we're at, Brentwood, Los Angeles, and then perhaps even more to design build, um, an architect led design build, then that starts changing things. And again, for me, that's your niche, your target market. From there, it branches out. Yes, I get jobs, those single-family residential projects in Brentwood, but we also get them in the surrounding areas. It's just the, the hub, the main base. And by the way, it's not even just, even though that's the main focus of the niche, I'm still doing a few small commercial projects as well. And so it doesn't, to me, limit. It just focuses that in a way that, especially for marketing, people can find you better. Yeah, I love that answer. That's it's one of my mantras, as you know. Uh, <laughs> target market, target market, target market. Um, so uh, it it is uh, KurtKrugerArchitect.com is the website. Uh, let's wrap up with one personal piece of guidance for other entrepreneur architects, and then uh, and then how members can contact you if you wanted to uh, give them some some opportunity to reach out and say thanks. I think the overall thing is really stop thinking and start taking action. We all overly think things. We all want to make things perfect. And I, I still have the, the horrible habit of trying to do that before I get things out. But just really 
taking action. And even more than that, I would highly recommend architects to take control back of this profession, which to me, the, the best way is to be uh, architect and builder, to do design build. Um, for me, I hear so many of my friends that uh, you know, have complaints about the profession and why we've sort of lost our status and our ability to shape the world. And to me, I understand that and I know why it is, but this is the way that, for us anyway, I feel you can reclaim that. So it is certainly a lot of work. It's, um, you know, it's not easy, but I think all of those uh, issues that we constantly talk about as a profession can be greatly alleviated if we start going in this direction and our value gets raised in the process. We're not just seen as one specialist. We're not a commodity. We're integral to the whole process. So I would highly recommend that to anybody. I think there's a lot of people who, who are going to want to connect with you and talk to you more about that because I think there are a lot of architects who, who want to do that and just don't know how or are afraid to, 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 to take that leap. And so uh, how if somebody wanted to reach out to you and, and ask you some questions about design build, how could they reach, reach out to you? Sure. Uh, best way you could contact me either through email, uh, Twitter or Instagram are probably the best ways. And I can give you that information rather than trying to spell yeah, yeah. it all out we'll, in a podcast. <laughs> we'll have that on the show notes. You are uh, episode 170. Uh, and so entrearchitect.com slash episode 170. We'll have all the contact information uh, for Kurt and you can go there and, and click over. So Kurt, thank you very, very much for spending a little bit of time with me here today, sharing your knowledge with the Entree Architect podcast community. Thank you, Mark. This has been great. If you liked what we shared here today, complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 170. And you can find all the episodes in the archives at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Every episode we've ever done, all 170 of them, are there for you to share. Hey, and share. Please do share. Share Share a link. Share this link for this episode, episode 170, entrearchitect.com slash episode 170, and share any other episode that you think might be helpful to somebody you know. And if you're looking for a place where, where you belong as a small firm architect, I think you found us. We built Entree Architect for you, the small firm architect with the podcast, with the blog, the newsletter, and inside our private membership program for small firm architects, Entree Architect Academy, we're sharing the information you need to build a better business and organizing powerful communities of architects just like you. Entree Architect Academy is where you belong as a small firm architect with the business resources and training you need and the private peer groups that will change your life as a small firm architect. Entree Architect Academy. To learn more, visit the homepage at entrearchitect.com. My name is Mark R. LePage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.